pleasure to be here today, um, even in spite of the weather. Um, and so I was just wondering um, whether you can read my mind. Can you can you read my mind? Several years ago, um, there was a there was a movie with Mel Gibson called What Women Want, and Mel's character found that he could suddenly read women's thoughts. What a wonderful terrifying idea that is. Um, you, you can ask my wife, I, I'm not very good at that. Not very good at, at reading other people's thoughts, reading their, reading their minds. Um, and as I was getting ready for this morning, I, I wondered if you could, I, I just wondered if, if I could let you see into my thoughts, if I could let you see into, into, into my mind and the things that I was thinking um, just wondered, honestly, what you, what you might see. What is it that you might see? Um, or, or even, maybe even more terrifying, what if you could read Pastor Eddie's mind? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Um, I'm certain that if you could do that, you'd find that neither of us is quite right. We're just, we're just not right. In fact, most pastors, I'm convinced... Their minds are just, there's just something wrong with us, just fundamentally wrong. Um, and yet at the same time, um, if you could, some of the things that we do, especially when it comes to, to serving, especially when it comes to, to, to ministering, especially when it comes to how we respond to people, all those kind of things, if you could look into our minds if you could see the, the things that we think and the reasons why we do the things that we do, all of a sudden, Eddie might make a little bit more sense. I might make a little bit more sense. I want to focus on two passages of Scripture this morning. The first is going to give you a glimpse into the heart of a pastor, into the mind of a pastor. Um, I, 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 trust me, I do not want you to read my mind, uh, but I do want to give you a glimpse into, into what pastors think. Um, and so we're going to read a passage that, that allows us to be able to do that. The second one, uh, which, which follows right after the first, tells you of where the strength for that kind of, of love, for that kind of thought comes from. Both of these passages come from, from uh, first, the first chapter of Ephesians. So if you have, uh, I don't know, your phone, your Bibles, any of those kind of things, and you want to look that up, that's where we're going to um, be focusing this morning. Uh, so again, that's, that's the first chapter of Ephesians. A couple of weeks ago, um, and, and, and I went and I listened to, uh, to, to some of Eddie's sermons. Um, I don't think he knew that I was going to do that. But I went back and I, I listened to a couple of his sermons. And, and a couple of weeks ago, uh, he told you that God is, and these are his words, God is making him preach through 1 Corinthians. That's what he said. Okay, I, I get it. I understand that completely. So God is making him preach through 1 Corinthians. God is doing a similar thing with me in the book of Ephesians. For a while, it was, the, it was the Gospel of Mark. I spent a long time in the Gospel of Mark, but, but lately now it's been in the book of Ephesians. I don't always understand how we can stand before you and say, God is making me do this, or this is where God is leading me, or this is where, I, you know, I don't, I don't quite get all of that of how we know what book and passage we're to choose, but at least for me, as I start to study the book or the passage that God leads me to, all of a sudden I begin to understand exactly why he sent me there. And it's an incredible thing, and I praise God for it all the time. When I first went into the ministry, I thought, I don't want to be a preacher because I don't want to have that kind of pressure. 
So what do I do? I go into the preach. I, I, I go into to a church that, that needs a preacher, and I preach, and I've been there for 22 years, and God's never left me hanging. Never. And I praise him for that all the time. So he leaves me where I need to go. He leaves Eddie where, we need to, where he needs to go. Um, and for me, it's the book of Ephesians. Now, Ephesians is a different type of letter from Paul. It doesn't really address a particular problem. Um, it doesn't address a particular issue. I'm convinced that Paul intended this letter just to be circulated among the believers so that they would be encouraged, so that they would be strengthened, so that, um, so that they might have just that, that, um, that, that encouragement and, as they gathered together. In fact, some feel that this letter wasn't intended just for the Ephesians, that it was supposed to be circulated. It was just kind of a form letter. Take this, read it, put your name at the top, and then, and then copy it and put another name at the top and pass it on to that, to that congregation, to that, to that church, to that next house, so that, so that people can hear what it is that Paul has to say to believers everywhere. Now, Paul may not have even had a particular people in mind as he wrote it. He may not have ever met most of those who heard the letter that was being read to them. The fact is, is that as I read through Ephesians, I forget all of that, that Paul wrote it to anybody in particular except to me, except to you. Ephesians is a great book for that, to understand this, this letter, this, this, this book of the Bible, this was written for you. God may have even had you in mind when he inspired Paul to write this letter. I guess I feel that that makes this an appropriate passage for us today. So this morning, what I want, if you could read my mind, what I want, not having met most of you, is the same thing that Paul wanted. I want to be able to strengthen you. I want to be able to stretch you. I want to be able to encourage you. I want to be able to, to help grow you. So Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to be looking at, uh, we're just going to look at three verses here right now, beginning at verse 15. Paul writes these words. But again, I want you to forget that Paul wrote them. I want you to consider that I'm writing these words for you. This is a note from me to you. Listen, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love for God's people everywhere. And by the way, I've heard of your strong faith for Jesus. You guys are an amazing story and continue to be written. Ever since I heard, page got turned. Ever since I heard your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. You, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Man, that's an amazing passage. You all have some tremendously gifted pastors here. What I want to do, as I said earlier, is I want to let you in just a little bit on the desire of a pastor's heart. I know, I know what some of you think. <laughs> uh, some of you think that like this, this, this 
position that Eddie holds, this, this position that I have, man, that's got to be the easiest gig that there is. I mean, how difficult can it be, right? Once, once a week, you stand up in front of a bunch of people and you, and you talk for maybe a half an hour, which for Eddie is a piece of cake. For me, it's a little more difficult. I mean, I get it. I mean, you have to do the public speaking thing, which is terrifying for most people, but you really only have to do that and, and work that one day a week, right? That's, that's easy. And, and if you choose to work the rest of the week, all you have to do is all, you sit around and read the Bible. How, how tough can it be? To some degree, there's a little bit of truth to that. There's a lot of other stuff that goes on. And a lot of times being a pastor is utterly exhausting. Just have to be honest with you. It's exhausting. But still, what is it that drives us to do what we do? Why do we, why do, we do this thing, Eddie? Let me tell you what. I believe, at least for me, what I really want to see happen. Let me tell you what I think Eddie really wants to see happen. Paul spoke it well. What we want, what I want, if you could read my mind, the thought process that I'm going through all the time is I want you all, I want, I want believers everywhere to have spiritual wisdom and insight. That's what I want. I want you to have spiritual wisdom and spiritual insight. Listen, we can read, we can prepare, we can use, as pastors, we can use sermons and studies and songs and movies and podcasts and Facebook posts and websites and blogs and Twitter posts and memes and all kinds of things to try to help you understand and gain this, this wisdom and insight that we have. And we can have the wisdom of Solomon ourselves, and we can share that with you, and we, can, and we can tell you those things. But that's no substitute for your own spiritual wisdom. And what I desire, what, what I, I think what a pastor really wants is for, is for the people, for, for, the, for the believers within, that, within the congregation, within the church, to have and desire and long for that spiritual wisdom for themselves. I work hard. I really do. Some people don't think I work a lick. That's all right. I work diligently to hear from the Spirit of God in an effort to share with the church the insights and the truths that God teaches me over and over again. And i got to tell you, I'm a slow learner. So God has to teach me those things multiple, multiple times before I finally get a hold of it. And I'm grateful for those times when he sticks to it and I finally grab a hold of just a little bit of the insight and the truth that he wants me to understand. And I'm certain that Eddie works just as diligently to understand those things. I'm sure that Steve and Kurt and the rest of the staff here pray over the ministries that they oversee. And I know that they listen for the wisdom of God to speak into their lives and give them direction for the ways that they're supposed to go. And when the Spirit speaks... We share that wisdom with you. But, but even while we pray for that wisdom to come upon us as, as shepherds and caretakers of the body, we long for you 
to have such a personal relationship with God that the wisdom and insights that we share simply add to what you have already received from him. See, we're supposed to be supplemental to what God is doing. That's what we long for. That's all I want to be. I, I just want to be supplemental. We don't want you to depend upon our spiritual wisdom alone. If you could read my mind, if you could see into my heart, it's what you'd understand. Spiritual wisdom, it's an incredible thing, but it's not where it stops. We also want you to grow in your knowledge of God. My wife and I lead a weekly group in our church. It has about 10 couples in it. There are about 10 kids, and most of them are six and under, and it is crazy. It is, it is lot. We can't have, we, it's supposed to be a home group. We can't have it in anybody's home. Not because, not because we don't fit, but just because they're so loud. Nobody will have us. Not even those who have the kids. It's like, no, we, you know, we can take three or four maybe, but you can't put that whole group in our home. We, it'll be destroyed. So we meet at the church. And we have a great time, and those kids are running around screaming, and, 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 we, and we teach in the midst of all of that. Kids running up and down, coming into the middle of our study circle, and they're going, Mom, Mom, I got to go to the bathroom. All those kind of things. It's just, so we, they, adults are up, scattering around, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, we teach. I've taught several different discipleship groups of varying levels, from new Christians to other pastors. I've taught Sunday school classes and other Bible classes in the church, and most of the time, people come into those classes and groups with the misperception. See, this is what we need you to understand. You guys come into these groups with the misperception that, that, that we are there to impart our knowledge of God to you. Honestly, I've got nothing. Nothing. I think Eddie'd tell you, he's got Nothing. I've got no knowledge to give. See, that's not my goal. My goal is to encourage them, encourage you to grow in your knowledge of God. That's what I want. I want you to know his love. I want you to know his forgiveness. I want you to know his salvation, his grace, his goodness, his joy. But I want you to know those things from your personal experience, from your relationship with Christ, from your interaction with who God is and his Holy Spirit that's in you. Not from my perspective, not from my experience, not from my knowledge. See, these people that I teach over and over again, they don't, they don't need my knowledge of him. They need their own knowledge of him. And my goal, my purpose, my, my, what, what I long for is to help them, just to help them understand that they can know him, that they can know him, and then how to know him. And as that spiritual wisdom 
and that spiritual knowledge begins to come and as they begin to get that hunger for the word and as they begin to grow in their own strength, in their own, in, in their own understanding, in their own relationship with Christ, then it becomes my prayer, then it becomes our prayer, I think it becomes a pastor's prayer as Paul was, this is all Paul was doing is he was saying, listen, as, as a shepherd, this is what I want for the people, regardless of if I've met them or not, and this is what I desire. It's, it's our prayer that your hearts will be flooded with the light of his glorious grace so, so that you can have this certain hope that you are his. And that changes everything from my perspective as, I, as I'm able to, to lean into people's lives and be able to see when that happens. I, I know it may not always seem like it, but we, we do. We want you to be excited. We want you to, to worship. We want you, and, and, and I do a lot of the worship leading. I've, I've handed over some of it lately, but for years I was doing the worship leading. And, and I kept telling people, all I, want you to, all I want to do is I want to be able to usher you into the presence of the Spirit of God so that you can worship him on your own. Don't watch me worship unless you're making fun of me, which happens. But don't, don't, don't watch me worship. Worship on your own. And, and all I wanted to do was to bring you into that presence. Steve, isn't that, what you, isn't that all you want to do? We want you to worship with hands raised and hearts exposed. We want you to cry out in joy. We want you to unashamedly speak the salvation of Jesus. We want you to be overwhelmed. We want you to be overcome, overcome by who Jesus is. We want you to be salt and light and hope in your community. Even if we aren't leading there. That's our desire. Honestly, if you could read my mind, what I would love to do is just disappear, not even be needed. It's what I would desire. We want all of those things for each of you personally. We want you to have spiritual wisdom. We want you to have spiritual insight and knowledge. And we want you to have the light, the light that floods in and overwhelms and overcomes everything. And somewhere along the lines, and, and, and I, I don't think, honestly, that it applies here, but, but we are always in danger of this. Somewhere along the line, it seems that many churches have gotten off track, and, it, and it's easy to do. Somewhere we decided that pastors should have all the wisdom. Somewhere we de- along the way, we decided the pastors should, should be the keepers and the holders of the knowledge, and, and we should be the ones who have the insight, and we should be the ones who have the light. Somehow we made it acceptable for, for those individuals, for the pastors, and maybe with the help of a few selected leaders, to do all of the teaching and all of the sharing and all of the spiritual work and all the evangelism and all the speaking about Jesus and all of the, all of the impact in the community. Somewhere along the lines, we've decided that that's the pastor's job. But as I read this prayer from Paul, it becomes evident that it's not supposed to be that way. It's not. If you noticed, Paul's prayer is not for the leaders. 
It's not for those who are the hosts of these, of, of these, these, these homes where people are gathered in. It's not for, those, for, for, for the shepherds along the way. Instead, his prayer is for all who are hearing the letter read. All. Paul's not limiting his prayers to the teachers, but to all who believe. It even says, God's holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. And I tell you what, that's you. You are his rich and glorious inheritance. I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to play judge. I do that well enough with my own congregation. It's occupational hazard. But I would imagine that some of you have been coming here expecting Eddie or whoever is leading to feed you. I imagine you've been coming and expecting, expecting folks here that, are, that have been given a responsibility to, to, to teach you, to fill you with wisdom and insight and knowledge. You've been expecting his words and sermons to flood you with light that make you feel warm and confident. And I, I know Eddie well enough to know that I'm sure he's done that. That he makes you feel good. But who do you blame when you walk away feeling like, eh, I didn't really get anything this morning? Ah, Eddie was just a little off his game. Or who is this weirdo that they're bringing in this morning? I have no idea what he's trying to say. What do you do when, 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 when you go to that class or you go to that study and all of a sudden it seems like maybe the teacher hasn't prepared exactly the way that it should be and so you walk away going, man, that was a waste of my hour. I'll never get that back again. As a pastor, I want you to be fed. And I want you to be inspired but I don't want you to be fed or inspired by my knowledge. I don't want you to be fed or inspired by my words. I don't want you to be inspired by my wisdom. I already told you, I don't have any. I want you to be inspired by the Spirit of God to attain wisdom and knowledge. Maybe even in spite of what I say this morning. Let's go back to Ephesians. I just want to finish out this chapter. Paul goes on with his prayer. He says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power. Listen to this. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler and authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Listen, Paul prays for wisdom and insight and knowledge and light for all those who are believers. That's what he does in that first passage that we read. And then he comes to this passage and he kind of goes to the bottom line. He gets down to, 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 to the brass tacks of what, he wants to, of what he wants to see happen with those things. 
What he wants is that, that is for us to, to allow that wisdom and insight and knowledge and light to come to, to each one of us so that we will understand the incredible greatness of God's power that is available and in every one of us who believe. As a matter of fact, Paul paints a picture of a, a, for us of God's power, of that power, of the power that you have as a, as a vessel of the Holy Spirit. You have this kind of power. Are you ready for this? God's power for us is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Wow. Can you think of more power? Can you think of anything with more power? That's incredible to me. I know you've heard that before. I know that your pastors know it to be true. That we have this power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. How do I know? Like I said, I know that your pastors know that to be true. After all, they've seen that power raise some of you from the dead. Because that's where your life was headed. And yet because of the incredible grace of Christ, you were pulled out of that pit. You were pulled out of that depth. And you were given life. They've seen the word of God bring life where there was death. But that power isn't just for us who holds some kind of a, uh, of a piece of paper that may have some kind of credential on it. It's, it's not just for, those, for, for us. It isn't only for us who stand in the pulpits and preach. It isn't just for us who are able to walk into the waters to baptize other people. Paul says it is for all believers, all believers, And I tell you right now, just because of the place where I stand or where my office is located or any any title that I happen to have, I'm telling you, I do not have any greater power than anyone else who's in this room. None. I know that's quite the picture of power, the ability to raise Christ from the dead. But it's interesting, too, that that isn't where Paul stops. He also says it's the same power that placed the risen Christ in the place of honor at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms. I love the fact that he said both of those things. It's the power that raised Christ from the dead and the power that placed him at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms. Listen, this is the power that you have been given by God. The God of all things. The God of everything, the God who, of, of all creation, the God over all things has given you that kind of power because you believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, then it goes also to serve that you have that kind of power. Let me make this clear, if there was ever a doubt. I do not want you to experience, 
listen to me, I do not want you to experience the amazing transformational power of Crossroads Church. I do not want you to experience the amazing transformational power of Pastor Eddie Hammond or of any other pastor. I want you to experience the amazing transformational power of God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there's so many times that we get, sorry, that we get those things confused. I, I know what people are saying. Okay. I have people come up to me at different points in time. Pastor, we are so thankful for you. Thank you. Why? Well, because you've just made such a huge difference in my life. That's not what I want. If you could read my mind, that's not what I want. I don't say because Jesus, that you helped me to see he made all the difference in my life. I don't want people to come and say, man, we are so fortunate to have Tulip in our community. No. We're so fortunate to have Crossroads in our community. No. We're so fortunate that God decided to use Crossroads to make a difference, but in the difference, what happens is that he takes the people, that's you, and he begins to give you wisdom and knowledge and insight and grace and strength and direction, and what he does through you makes a difference in this community. That's the power that changes lives. And it's yours. It's yours. If you believe, it's yours. This week, as I read through these verses, I kept asking myself, what do I want? And then I phrase it, Lord, what do you want? If you could read my mind, I hope that you would see that my desire is for each of you to know and live into that power. To be able to see that Christ, the head over all things, is offering you salvation, is offering you spiritual wisdom, is offering you to grow you beyond what you can even imagine you can have or be. That he is offering you hope and light and power and grace and peace and joy. He is offering eternity to you. But not just for your sake. He's offering eternal power and strength to you. For his. But none of those things are going to come because you sit in a particular church. None of those things are going to come because you're taught by a particular church preacher or teacher. Those things are only going to come from God. Listen, my joy, and, and, and again, I, I love being a pastor. Is it frustrating? Any pastor in the room will tell you, absolutely. Most frustrating thing that there is. Could I do anything else? No. I couldn't. 
my joy in being a pastor is being able to be used by him. My joy is being in relationship with him and in relationship through him with all of you and being in relationship with those that are part of my congregation that God has allowed me to be a part of. Paul says this way, for we are the church. We are his body, and it is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself, with his wisdom, with his strength, with his knowledge, with his insight. My prayer is that you will be his, and through him, that you will have spiritual wisdom, that you'll have spiritual knowledge, that you'll have spiritual power. If you could read my mind, you'd know that was true. Not by my strength, not by my power, but by his. To close, I just want to, I want to read these passages in full. And I want you to understand, this is my prayer for you. Would you bow your heads as I pray this over you? I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called. His people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of you. And you are his body. And you are made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Lord, bring your word to pass in your holy name. Amen.